0: How we perceive pain is influenced by our expectations in 2012 respected researchers atlas and wagner demonstrated our beliefs and expectations play a significant role in shaping the intensity and quality of the pain we feel i'm joe my pal over there is kurt and we are dudes in progress hello my friend hey
1: joe what's shaking dude i am excited i am getting ready for a big vacation
0: yeah heading for your uh annual g3 the geeking on wdw disney group right
1: my happy place yes and it is part of my podcast i gotta get packed joe so what are we doing with dudes
0: you know, thinking about the opening comment that I had to start the show uh, i'm I'm kind of surprised by this, but then again I guess I'm not that we can manage our pain, our physical pain by managing our expectations of that pain. I know the answer to this question Kurt, but but I'm going to go ahead and let you answer it. What's the most recent severe pain that you've had? <laughs>
1: pain. I know you're thinking of my kidney stone that I experienced.
0: So the probably the most painful thing that I've had in my life is kidney stones as well. And as I look at this research done by Atlas and Wagner, I get it. My whole life I've always heard, "Man, oh my gosh, you don't want kidney stones. They're the worst. It's going to be painful, right?" Yes. And I think, okay, if I, I know it's going to be painful, I'm going to prepare myself for this pain. I know it's going to hurt so bad, and I'm going to prepare myself for this pain. And, I, and you think to yourself, okay, that's what you need to do. Prepare for the pain. You know it's going to be in, intense and incredible and, and agonizing, right? Mm. But I think that's the wrong way to do it. Mm. I think the best way to do it is, okay, I have this. It is what it is. It's not as painful as, as, as I might think it is, or as I've set myself up to be for it to be, it is, it kind of is what it is. Relax. It's not going to be as bad as I think it's not going to kill me. I'll get through it and it'll be okay. Instead of coming into those types of situations and saying this, is, I, I, okay, I'm, I'm preparing myself for the worst. This is going to be horrible though. All the stories I've heard are going to be bad you set up your expectations to be painful. And according to this research, Atlas and Wagner did is that plays a role in shaping the intensity. The more you think it's going to hurt, the more it's going to hurt.
1: Yeah. And I think there's truth to that. Going through that experience myself, as you were chatting, I was thinking about the worst part of it for me was how long it took. I had these epis I would call them episodes. And it seemed at one point they were 30 minutes long, and I didn't know when they were going to come back. So there was periods of relief. And even when I was going through the intense pain, the more I really tried to just settle my body down and try to even meditate a little bit or not think about it, it did help. I'm starting to think of the advice women get when they're having babies and (laughs) how to breathe. Through, through the pain. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess people have related the kidney stone pain to giving birth, as people have spoken to, that have had both. But the, the worst part for me was the, the length. The last one was about two hours long. That was hard to not think about. Mm. <laughs> right. But yeah, I agree. I think now you're, you're, we're not discounting the
0: intensity of the pain. Right. What we're saying is our, expe- our expectations can play a role in how intense the pain is. And the more we think it's going to hurt, it's very likely the more it's going to hurt. And I think back to doctors, you know, when 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 doctors when doctors do something like they reset a bone out in the battlefield or, mm-hmm. or, or there's a movie called Major Pain uh, with one of the Weigh in brothers mm-hmm. uh, that he uh, he he. I think he he breaks somebody's finger and says, "Now you're going to feel a little bit of pressure. Uh, You're going to feel a little bit of pressure." And but you hear doctors say that, you know, what's this going to feel like? Ah, you're just going to feel a little pressure, you know. (laughs) But I think they're setting our expectations for our mindset to say, "Okay, this isn't going to be as bad as I think." Okay.
1: Yeah, that's. I was thinking I had a dental procedure, really oral surgery to have a tooth pulled recently too. And I've always been had a little bit of a fear of needles. It's funny; the bigger the guy, the wimpier they are for this thing. (laughs) I was I was joking with the nurse a little bit, and she was laughing at me too about that. And she says, "You know, you're probably right." And I've you psych yourself out for this needle that you know is going in for Novocaine. And they he did like six of them too, and he did that same thing. Like, I'm he he apologized. I'm sorry. This is going to (laughs) hurt. (laughs) He was right. When a doctor tells you this is going to hurt, you know, it's going to hurt, right? I think I've had, you know, when you've done Novocaine for a cavity or a cap or something, I don't, I remember the needles bring much thinner and smaller and not being a problem. This one was uncomfortable. There's no doubt. But I think I was definitely more mentally prepared. I was not real anxious for this procedure. I've had it done. This is my second one. Maybe that helped. But certainly being in the right frame of mind, I I I feel like I really did a good job on this last one.
0: Of course, we're continuing our discussion on limiting beliefs. How we set ourselves up for beliefs and what we believe about something has a dramatic impact on our actual experience. It doesn't necessarily control the experience completely, does play a dramatic factor in how and what we experience and the actions that we take and how we move Forward, or whether or not we move forward, all based on what we believe about something. Kurt, last week you covered three limiting beliefs that you experience. This week I'll share three of mine. But before we go into my three, remind us of what you talked about last week.
1: I talked about negative self talk. These are three that really resonated with me fear of rejection or criticism. And limiting beliefs about money. These are three that really are self-limiting beliefs that get in the way for me.
0: You know what I like about these conversations, Kurt, is how we can learn about who we are and the path forward somehow makes itself more available mm-hmm. when we when we talk through some of these issues. So yeah, I, I just I, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing last week. And I'm going to go through my three, and then we'll talk a little deeper about each one. My first one is sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost fallacy is the idea that because you've been in a relationship for a long time, or you've been in an investment for a long time, or you've put a lot of money into something, or you've been to a job, uh, a job for a long time, or you've made quite an investment into anything, that you have to stay there, that you have to push this through. I mean, I I think about an investment that I've made, and just because at one point, I may have doubled or tripled or, or tenfold my money. It's gone down. So I got to stay in that investment until I can reach that point again. Although all the indicators show that it's not going to happen. So that's sunk, the sunk cost fallacy. Uh, that's definitely a limiting belief that that I have. Also perfectionism, Kurt. When I think about perfectionism, I think about the idea that you can't move forward on a project. You can't move forward on an event. You can't move forward on A goal, unless you think that you can do it absolutely perfect, unless you think the outcome will be absolutely perfect and flawless. And that'll lock you up, man. It's funny about perfectionism because a lot of people look at perfectionism and think that that person, because they're a perfectionist, has it all together. Wow, look at their life. And they might have it all together on the surface because they've spent so much time and energy on making themselves look good. Usually, perfectionism in fact perfectionism we talked about this before perfectionism can take uh can manifest itself in hoarding because somebody can't do something perfectly they do nothing perfectionism can really make a mess of things and finally uh i and i've done this recently and this isn't something that I, i used to do but i'll be honest with you i find myself doing it more and i'm not sure why and that is catastrophizing uh that's basically assuming the worst possible outcomes will will occur, and that leads to anxiety and avoidance of taking any kind of risk and like i said that's something more recent for me and we'll 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 probably talk talk through that so those are mine sunk cost fallacy perfectionism, and catastrophizing uh let's start let's start with sunk cost fallacy sunk cost fallacy it generally refers to the tendency for Uh, For people to continue on in some kind of endeavor, a project, investment, uh, a relationship, whatever it might be, simply based on the cumulative prior investment that they made, be it money or effort or time or whatever it might be, or rather than on current and future value of, of this thing. Basically, Kurt, in other words, it's the idea that because we've already put a lot of time or effort or money into something be it emotional effort, emotional time, whatever it is, we should just continue doing it, even if it's no longer the best decision moving forward. I find myself doing this more than I care, more than I care <laughs> to admit. I've been in relationships too long. I've held investments too long. I've been in projects too long because of sunk cost fallacy. So how can how can sunk cost fallacy really limit? Our growth potential. I look at it as in, as in wasted resources. When you continue to invest time and money and energy into anything that's no longer beneficial or viable, look at all the time and resources that you've put into that that you've wasted. Look at all the missed opportunities that have gone by because you've stuck with something simply because of the past investment that you've made. The emotional drain, holding on to something simply because you're emotional emotionally attached to it.
1: Have you ever experienced sunk cost fallacy, Kurt? I'm thinking of two right now, Joe. That one is my house, my current house. We've been in this house for 28 years, something like that. We bought it, and it was in pretty rough shape, owned by the bank. And we did a lot right up front to bring it. To livable. Put a roof on it. Pave the driveway. There were several things. The kitchen. We made we put a counter, we had carpenter come in and do some things. But you know, it's still a 1970s house. <laughs> it's got problems. It's outdated. And there's other problems. Probably too big for my wife and I right now. I think the emotional part is or the amount of effort it would to sell and move on to something else. There's lots of other factors involved, but I can just imagine if we were to downsize or maybe something a little more modern, we probably would probably wouldn't be a cost factor. We could probably do, I don't know. It's kind of a tough time right now in the real estate market too. But I think the investment, it's really more of an emotional investment in the house than anything else. And the familiarity of it, you know, there's, that's where I think this too, I was thinking of my last job before the one I'm in now, what's kept me there was familiarity of 15 years or more in the same group, same people, same technologies. And that fear of moving on to the next position kept me. Held me back from moving on to something that probably is a better opportunity for me. So there's two.
0: I, there's There have been relationships that I've stayed in. And I'm not talking about necessarily romantic relationships. Uh, it could be business relationships or it could be romantic relationships. But I can think of relationships that I've been in. I stayed simply because of the time that I had invested in it, the time and emotion that I had invested in it. And people do this a lot, Kurt. People People stay in bad emotional relationships, bad, bad, quote, unquote, romantic relationships simply because they've they've been there so long. They feel like they've put all this time and all this effort, all this energy into it. Instead of instead of looking at the relationship and saying, and this is how you have to look at sunk cost fallacy. This is the general rule. If the past was completely wiped away and you're starting with a clean slate, would you put pick that person right now as they are would you pick that person as a business partner would you pick that person as a romantic relationship would you would you pick that person to go Mm. do whatever it might be would you pick that person right now if if the if you didn't invest all of that time and energy and it was a clean slate right now
1: Mm.
0: looking at that person for what they are in this moment. Would you pick that person <laughs> if if the answer is no, you've got some you've got some thinking to do. Right. You've got some hard decisions to make because that is holding you back. You can do what you need to do to try to repair those problems. OK, but you eventually reach a point where if the only reason you're staying, you're staying is because of the time and effort and energy that you have into it, then you probably need to move on. Hmm. You need to cut ties and move on
1: or have a hard, because it's yeah, we're having a hard conversation. Yeah. That's part of repairing it. So, if, yeah. if, if there's, if there's a
0: way to repair it, then by all means do that, especially a long-term marriage. I, I'm not a fan of divorce at all, but there comes a time that when you take a step back and you look at a relationship that you're in, And this is heavy stuff right now, Kurt. You look at a relationship that you're in and you're getting no value from that relationship whatsoever. In fact, it has a negative impact on you on a consistent basis. And the only reason you're staying in that relationship is because of the time and effort that you've put into it in the past. You've got a hard decision to make, but you've got some, you've got some hard thinking to do. And that's not that that's not only a romantic relationship, a husband and a wife that can be a long term business partner that can be a business that you're in. That can be a job that you're in. You know, I think about an investment and right now that investment is worth ten thousand dollars if I sold the stock right now, if I sold that investment right now and it's worth ten thousand dollars right now. Now, it might be. That at one point, that investment was worth $50,000, right? Or I've had that investment for a long time. The question I have to ask myself is, let's take a step back, remove the emotion from it. If I had the cash in my pocket right now that that investment is worth, would I make that investment brand new again? Would I would I invest that money into that investment? Mm-hmm. Or let's say I have $10,000 to the side. Would I take that $10,000 and invest it into that into that stock or into that business or whatever it is? If the answer is no, sell it and find some other place to put your money.
1: Yeah, I like that advice. We're-
0: because that sunk cost fallacy.
1: I have that happening right now, as a matter of fact, and I'm going to Make some decisions when I come home from vacation. I was thinking on my examples, that is a great question. If if I were to buy my home right now, would I buy it? And the answer is no. Let's go deeper into that question. The question is, if
0: you had the the cash value of that house right now, right now, the cash value of that house right now, would you buy that house again? with that money let's say your house is worth and i'm just going to use easy round numbers i don't know how much your house is worth kurt but let's say your house is worth two hundred thousand dollars if you had that two hundred thousand dollars in cash right now would you buy that exact house that you're in no right so that's so that's some hard thinking right absolutely you've got to take a step back and say okay well what am i getting what am i getting from this do i have some cost fallacy? Or what is, the, what is the intention of me staying in this home?
1: Uh, the other one was the job. When I take this job, it kind of just evolved to what it was, which wasn't what I first signed up for. I would never have taken the job if it was in a job description that I was reading to apply for, the last one that I had. I came to that realization. Like, I don't like what I'm doing right now, (laughs) but I had a lot of time. You know, it's comfortable to be working with the same people. There's a lot of things that are positive, but at the end of the day, weighing all the factors, I'd rather take a chance on something new with new people, new technology, new group than stay in this job that I'm at. That's where I got to, which is hard. It's hard to have that conversation. It wasn't a comfortable conversation to have with the people i worked with because i was act- i was doing a pretty good job i had re- received some in fact i received a really good bonus from that job because it was hard i had accomplished you know a project that was really difficult during that year but nearly killed me too
0: so there are some some strategies to help us overcome sunk cost fallacy and i'll try to share some of these strategies that i've learned Uh, about these three things not that i'm i I do very well at any of them because sunk cost fallacy obviously uh, i picked it because it's still a part of my life Uh, but these are some strategies that might help us overcome uh, some sunk cost fallacy first of all reevaluate objectively periodically assess ongoing your the ongoing things in your life relationships projects investments based on their current value what it brings to you and what and what the future might hold, uh, not past costs, not past investments, not past uh, time. Assess it based on where it is right now. It's always good to seek it, seek opinions from somebody on the outside. Mm-hmm. Right. We know that right. that's kind of what this what this podcast mm-hmm. is about. An outside perspective can certainly provide clarity. Make sure we were discussing this with somebody who isn't as emotionally or financially uh, invested in in this thing that we're trying to work on. And here's an important thing. And this is this may sound kind of cold, but think about this, especially when it comes to relationships. Set predetermined exit points before starting anything, a project, an investment, even a relationship. Define the points or conditions under which you'll reconsider or even abandon the thing, whatever it is. You the hard, the hard thing with this is relationships because we're human beings, right? But before going into a relationship at, at any level, romantic or business or whatever it might be, think to yourself, okay, I'm starting a new relationship here. I want the best for it. I want to think positively about it. But at what point is enough enough? And just kind of keep that. Keep that in the background, because I, I do think that uh, on the other end, we want to be careful with predetermined exit points because we want to be positive about whatever endeavor we're getting into, whatever it might be. I think there's a difference between positivity, positivity and being Pollyanna. Positivity is thinking, OK, I'm going to make the best of this and move forward and keep my thoughts on uh, I'm going to assume the best. Uh, As I, as I move forward, right. That's positivity. Pollyanna is when you just, you think everything's going to be great, regardless of the, maybe the negatives that are glaring you in the face. I like this one. Right.
1: Joe, Joe, I think, you know, use you and I as an example. If we, we've talked about doing a side gig or business on the side as part of either our podcasting efforts or something else. And I would say you and I have the relationship where I, I feel we could say, Hey, you know what? Let's give this six months or a year, whatever the time frame is. And at that time frame we say, let's evaluate. Are we still all in? We were excited at the beginning, we you know, or are we not? I think that would be a I think that's a great way to approach that kind of relationship. Well, to piggyback on that, Kurt,
0: the not that this is a Joe and Kurt Love Fest, <laughs> but I, I think about I think about our Saturday morning investment. Almost every Saturday morning we come through uh we, we talk online because you live in Connecticut and I live in Cincinnati, but we talk online almost every Saturday, and that's an investment. That's a Saturday morning investment. Absolutely. And uh we've talked about, okay, is this is this still serving? Is this moment is this time together every week still serving us? And the answer for me has always been yes, and the answer for you has obviously been yes, and we continue doing it. But our relationship is such that okay if we need to re if we re- need to reevaluate this we can yeah. right if we need to re- reframe this in some way reframe our perspective I- instead of in-, in viewing it as as an aban- abandonment right let's let's consider the benefits of the resources uh or time that that we can gain by uh by reevaluating it and we can do that with everything right, right? we can do that with everything in our life And I think here's the most important part of managing sunk cost fallacy. That's limit your emotional attachment. We're human beings, right? So when it comes to relationships, this is difficult. But if you can take a step back from the emotions and try to separate your emotions from the decisions, especially when you're continuing, uh, when you're thinking about a relationship. But if you can take a step back and remove your emotions from it and make and be willing to make hard decisions. Mm. That's the that's that's the best thing that you can do is limit the emotional attachment.
1: Yeah, that's very true. And I don't always describe myself as an emotional person, but when it comes to breaking up, <laughs> that's breaking up is hard to do for me. <laughs> that's the song. That's right. It's hard to do for everybody. Yeah. It's hard to do for I'm everybody. I'm not an emotion. I don't always feel like I'm an emotional person. I don't my emotions don't run me. Is a lot of I feel most people, their whole life is run by emotion, and I've never felt I'm more analytic in my personality. But if I'm invested, especially relationships, breaking up is hard to do, (laughs) and not just relationships, but volunteer work you're doing. And you, you and I have talked about this. We, you, you had your presidency that you are in your condo association, that was hard for you to do. So to wrap up sunk cost
0: fallacy, and in essence, uh, sunk cost fallacy can, can lead us people and entire organizations to make decisions based on what they have previously invested rather than what makes the most sense for the future. And, and we, we've talked on an individual level level, but organizations, companies do this all the time. Well, we've kind of always done this way, or we invested 100000 dollars in that equipment or whatever it might be. By recognizing the bias of sunk cost fallacy and implementing strategies to counteract it, we can make we can make more rational and decisions that are beneficial for our future. So keep sunk cost fallacy in mind when you think about what's holding you back. What is what is a limiting belief uh that is holding you back and it might be sunk sunk cost fallacy. So take a good hard look at, at that limiting belief sunk cost fallacy. Cause I'm forced to, I have to. All right, let's le- let's move on to perfectionism. Perfectionism is something near and dear to my heart because I have perfectionism in spades and I never realized that I had it until probably in the past five years, maybe 10 years. Perfection. When we think about a perfectionist, we think about somebody that has it all together, right? Somebody that has all of all their ducks in a row and just put together well, dressed well, in shape. Their house looks good. They got a good job. Their life is perfect because they're a perfectionist, and they will, they will, um, they will settle for nothing less than perfect. In fact, sometimes sometimes people use the word "I'm a" perf- the phrase "I'm a perfectionist" as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm right? They'll say, oh, no, that, not me. I'm a perfectionist. You can count on me. While perfectionism can absolutely hinder your, your progress. To have a belief of perfectionism will certainly limit your your progress through life. Perfectionism basically refers to the relentless striving for extremely high standards. Judging your self-worth based on your ability to strive for and achieve unrelenting standards, experiencing negative emotions when you fail to meet them. And it's not just about setting high standards. It's also about the implications of not meeting those standards. Perfectionism to me, Kurt locks me up. I get the sense sometimes that if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. And that's where procrastination comes from. Cause you, you, you think in, in your mind, okay, okay, how is this going to end up? How can I make this perfect? Or I spend so much time on a project trying to fix something that's 10% of the project, spending 90% of my time fixing 10% of the project because that 10% isn't perfect, instead of letting enough be enough. Do you have do you have any 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 perfectionism in your life?
1: Not a bit. Not a bit. That's why I'm laughing over here because we've had this conversation. I've never had this problem. And I've always said B plus was good enough even back in high school. I don't think, and I still don't. and I, And I think in my line of work of application development, it's become you cannot wait to implement these days because if you do, you're going to be too late into the market in software development. If you think of those things, agile is the term meaning get it out there, get it out in front of people and get feedback and improve on it. And I'm totally okay with that. I had a project at work recently and I said to them, you know, and there wasn't much fear. We, we were just replacing something in another technology. So we knew what, Product was going to be for the most part, but there were nuances that I knew would not match perfectly the other design because we're building another. I said, Guys, just trust you got to trust me. We could be here changing the scope creep and just going on and on forever, and we'll never implement this thing. And there was, it was a large, fairly, you know, six or seven people that I had to speak with about this. Don't get caught up in nuances let's get this thing out there in front of people and then start you know and then improve on it we could put improvements every week if we have to but that's not an easy concept to sell to somebody because <laughs> they want everything all especially at once. they want everything in the full they want the final product you know on day one and the truth is on software development it's never 80 percent of the development is maintenance i mean re- i know that but. They need to know that
0: perfectionism is a problem, especially when we have this, uh, we we look at perfectionism as a badge of honor. Right. When we look at it as, wow, he just, that that job just turned out perfectly. Well, what you don't see is all the work that went in behind it, all the mistakes that people make. Mm -hmm. I can never do it as good as she does it or he does it, so why even start? That's where perfectionism locks people up more than anything else is the fear of failure. Uh, the fear of making mistakes, the fear of it not being perfect. So why even start? Mm. Perfectionism used to be a problem for me. It's not so much anymore. It still creeps in there, but it's not so much anymore. I am I am much more apt now mm-hmm. to take a ready fire aim mentality.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we did it with the broadcast, right? right? You weren't, you had no, yeah. you didn't have any fear of starting. And getting something yeah out let's there. just
0: let's just start this thing and see where it takes yeah. us. I mean I, I know people that that will not will not start a project whatsoever because they're still in the planning stage oh, I'm still I'm still kind of planning it and getting my ducks in a row, mm-hmm. and it may be three years later how's how's that, how's that <laughs> business coming along it's It's great man I, I've almost got uh, I've got, almost got this plan done and that plan done, and mm. I'm still kind of working some things out. You're never going to make you're never going to learn anything until you go. Yeah. Until you take action. But the idea of perfectionism really locks us up. The desire to get things just right, mm-hmm. it leads to delays and never starting a project.
1: And the truth is in creative pursuits that you're if you're doing, I don't care if you're if you're writing something or you know, song making, music, podcast, business, you don't know what's perfect <laughs> until you get feedback. What you think is perfect may not be what the market thinks is perfect. I, I'm, I'm telling you, Kurt,
0: perfectionism can just lead down a, a terrible, terrible path. It'll lead to procrastination, burnout, stress, and anxiety. These are all things that I've experienced in in my life from perfectionism the biggest thing that perfectionism has done to me is it it's squelched creativity the fear of making a mistake creatively or developing a new innovation either at my work or in in any kind of side gigs that i've had it has really squelched creativity me thinking about i got to create the perfect fill on the blank yeah. right and have you ever lived with a perfectionist have you ever been around a perfectionist it can be it can it can wear you down man and it can really have an effect on a relationship. You're like, man, just stop, dude. Yeah. It, it, just go. Just go make
1: some mistakes. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. My dad was a perfectionist or is a perfectionist. He was, again, he was worse, I think, when I was a kid than he is now. But he certainly is in that category. Remember our conversation with Chris and Brandy? She talked about her mm-hmm. dad and all the pressure you didn't you didn't mow the lawn correctly <laughs> go do it again right right <laughs> like, really <laughs> does it i mean the next day i had that i was i thought about her because i was looking at my lawn i kind of did a loop around and it made another little path it, i'm thinking oh my gosh they would never fly in <laughs> some people but the next day after the wind blows and the rain comes down <laughs> nobody knows the difference <laughs>
0: You're right. You're right. So, what what are some things that we can do uh, to really help us reduce or manage perfectionism? Uh, what are the, and I have they, these are lessons for me uh, as they as well as they are for uh, somebody else, a, a listener. Uh, I think you, we start with realistic expectations. If we can take a step back, realize that nobody, including yourself, is perfect. Set achievable goals. I'm not a big fan of goals, but I can set achievable values. And here's something that I've really learned to do is to celebrate small wins. And where I've really learned to do this recently is through our podcast, because we have a win for the week. It's, It's recognizing something that has happened to us that week that we can celebrate. It may not have been perfect. It may not have been exactly the way you wanted it to turn out but learn to celebrate it. Learn to celebrate small wins. Instead of focusing on wasn't on what wasn't
1: achieved, celebrate what was achieved. My strategy here is be okay with iteration, meaning getting, getting things out in front of people as quickly as possible and set the expectation. It's a draft or I need your feedback. And value the people that you're working with what they think of it now that can get out of hand too you got to manage that a little bit too because they can again scope creep is not a good thing you gotta put your Mm -hmm. arms around it but because quite honestly we just don't know what perfect is it's you want to get the most impact in what you're doing you want you want the most amount of people to Enjoy what you're doing, I guess (laughs) what I'm thinking of, or depends on what it Mm -hmm. is, right? Or, or, yeah, you do have
0: to look at the impact. You do have to look at the impact that you're losing. Look at the impact that you're losing by being, by wanting something to be perfect. Right. If you, if you've set a goal to give, if you've set a goal that, Hey, I want to give a hundred dollars a week to charity. All right. And. For some reason that week, you only have 75, and but you're stuck on this $100 a week because for the past few weeks, you've gone into that charity and you've given $100, but now this week, you can only give 75, and because you're a perfectionist, you don't give at all because you don't want to walk in and not give $100 because that's the perfect standard. Somebody, somebody has just lost $75 of your generosity,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, great example.
0: Here's a mindset shift that is difficult but can be the most effective the most effective strategy to overcome perfectionism and that's embracing mistakes as a win.
1: Mm.
0: Instead of viewing our mistakes as a failure, let's see them as a chance to learn right. and grow. Wasn't it Thomas Edison who said, uh, "I never failed to uh, to build the the light bulb, I just found out 10,000 ways not to do I it." I
1: love that quote. Yeah. That attitude. Yeah.
0: I, I, I screwed it up, but you get the spirit of it. But if we can em- embrace our mistakes and imperfections as a win and see them as a chance to learn and grow, yeah. that is 90% of the perfect, of
1: the perfectionist battle. Yeah. I had one, Joe, recently. This actually combines sunk cost fallacy. Now that I think about it, I was preparing for vacation. I had a project where um, I'm reading an Excel document and eventually I'm turning that into a, a PDF. So I'm taking all the data from Excel and I'm, run, I'm writing, a, let's call it a program, a procedure that's that's doing this. And I went down the road in the old way that I used to do it, which is to write it to Word first, Microsoft Word, and then from there convert it to PDF. And dude, I was it was fighting me all the way. And wh- one of the things that, at the end made me think, let's throw away all the investment I've put in this, which was considerate. I had I had to create tables that were dynamic because I didn't know if the data had one table, two table, or three date. It dep- you know, it always depended. And finally I'm talking with one of my coworkers and he said, why don't you try writing this to HTML first? And the light bulb went in my head. I said, that would solve this problem that I have. But I've got a ton of time invested in this way. I've been doing it all along. And really, a lot of mistakes were made getting to where I was at. But, Mm. you know, this past week, I started working on the HTML version, and I essentially built two of these. And I had the original one, which was much harder, and the follow-up one that I had to build. I built them all almost entirely in a week. Wow. So, and I've got that capability that I wanted to have the dynamic tables. So lesson learned there. I threw away all of that previous work pretty much. That
0: embraces mistakes and you overcome sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. By, by moving in a different direction, regardless of how much time and effort you had put in it, you know, one strategy about perfectionism. I think is important, I try to do this myself, is to limit my exposure to comparison. And the biggest way to do that is social media, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. If you're prone to perfectionism and you look at people's Instagram posts as a standard to meet, well, you're going to fail. Mm. If you look at somebody's Facebook posts as the lifestyle standard to meet, you're going to fail cuz very rarely do we show the worst of us on social media mm. very rarely do we show the rough things of life and when we use social media as a uh, as a mirror for ourselves we're going to fall hard and i think one of the best ways in today's day to overcome perfectionism is to limit yourself uh, on social media. Limit that that exposure to comparison.
1: It's not only that you see perfection, but you see people that you might think are doing it better than you can do it. And you mm-hmm. try to compare yourself. That's actually one of the things on the list that locks you up. comparison to others. That's one of the other beliefs that was on my original 12. And yeah, I, I can watch, you can watch other podcasters if it's video you're creating and it's not one of your, you know, someone gave me some great advice about that in that, you know, your content, certain people are going to relate to you. You're, you're going to, you may not think you're unique, but there are ways that your content relates to other people that it might not, even that other person that you are looking in social media that you think is perfect. They could think totally different and, and relate to you more than they do the other person. So just get it out there and work with your people. The, the, the truth is, Kurt, perfectionism
0: can drive us to achieve great things if, if managed properly. It's okay to want the best, right? It's okay to want to achieve great things. It's okay to want to produce quality, right? Mm-hmm. That's all okay. But it's got to be balanced with some self compassion, some realistic expectations, right? Mm-hmm. And understanding that that our growth will come from imperfections yeah. and mistakes, and we have to and we have to make those mistakes, and we have to embrace our imperfections and set realistic expectations. expectations. And for God's sakes, be nice to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Very true. Yep, relax. You know, Kurt, we've we've exhausted sunk cost fallacy and perfectionism, and quite honestly, looking at the time, I don't think that we're going to uh, be able to cover catastrophizing the way it needs to be covered. And also, I'd like to include maybe one other one other subject into uh, into these limiting beliefs. This is what I propose: that we stop right here, all right, and we plan for for a future show that covers catastrophizing, and in another one of these li- limiting beliefs. Is that fair
1: enough? I like that idea. I like when we call an audible. Do you have a win for the week, Kurt? I do. It's been the last couple of weeks. I have been preparing. You know, when you're going on vacation, you really want to have as much done as you possibly. You want to prepare people to let you know. Let them know you're going to be on vacation at work or volunteer work. And I feel like I've done a great job of that. I had three projects at work that I feel I've gotten them into a place where I'm really comfortable leaving and I have backups for when I'm gone so that no one hopefully will have to call me while I'm on vacation. And I recorded three podcasts and edited. I was editing and pod. I've been just going like crazy the last couple of weeks. Wow. But I got three of wow. them staged and ready to go. You're going to help me get these couple out for Dudes in Progress. I feel like I'm in a great place. And I haven't been on vacation for a week and a long time. And I am excited to have everything in order at the house and as best of what we possibly can and have peace about leaving it all and just enjoying myself. Perfect. Perfect. That's awesome, man. I think that's Yeah, important. it's good to
0: have all most of that stuff if if not all of it wrapped up before you go on vacation so that way you can just relax and not have to think about it.
1: And I just want, you know, if anyone well done. I know a lot of people don't leave their work when they go on vacation. They tell people they can call them. They they, they go they get on long phone calls and meetings while they're on vacation. And I would just like encourage you to take a look at how could you not do that? (laughs) Because I think really important. I'm that guy.
0: (laughs) Unfortunately. I'm that guy.
1: Okay. I'm talking to Uh, Joe. It's just a conversation between Joe and I then. (laughs) Here's here's my problem.
0: And I and I balance this anxiety and I don't quite know what to do with it. My problem is I will check email every morning, my work email every morning, and I will answer appropriately, right? Okay. I won't do any work other than check email, and, and if there's something that needs to be moved forward, I try to move that forward to the, to the correct person, all right? The problem is when I don't do that, I generally have some underlying anxiety throughout the day. Wondering what's going on. Wondering if something's on fire. Wondering what the what what problems are are happening that I'm going to face when I come back to work. If I can handle those problems incrementally, I tend to enjoy that days of vacation that day of vacation more. Just by spending that half an hour to forty five minutes, kind of handling a few things here and there. And I don't know what to do about that. Quite honestly, you need a backup because. One one might say, correct. If if we're if we're staffed and resourced to do that, uh, one might say, "Well, Joe, just let it go. Nothing's going to. Nothing in the world is going to fall apart for a couple weeks or with a week that you're not there." Generally true. But what do I do about the anxiety? The underlying the underlying anxiety throughout the day. If I can just make a 45-minute investment in the morning, I enjoy the rest of the day so much more. So that's been, that's been my problem. We're not going to handle it here, but good on you for handling your stuff before you leave. Fantastic, Kurt. What's your win for the week? I walked 60,000 steps this week. All right. Which is pretty cool, right? Absolutely. Which is pretty cool. Uh, over, over seven days, what is that? 60,000, 60 divided by seven. Uh, it was more than, so that's about eight, that's about 8,000 steps a day. That's pretty good. And I think that most of those days I was over, uh, over 10,000 and some of the, in a couple of those days, it was almost nothing comparatively, but I thought that was pretty cool. 60,000 steps this week. Awesome. I'm sure. No, uh, Tony Ann
1: Zarcone. I, I understand, but pretty cool. I'm going to see Tony Ann during my trip and i'm going to ask her even more in-depth questions cuz joe i have got to get weight loss going when i get back from this trip yeah fitness and weight loss is going it. to be it, it might be 75 hard if she if i have this conversation with her that might be part of my program when i get home from vacation but good on, awesome good on you do you have a resource I'm going to go with stickermule.com. It's the website I've used for a bunch of my swag. I got stickers. I could show Joe if we were if we were a video podcast. I don't know where's my camera. But I got stickers. These are really kind of kind of glittery ones and I also got pins, acrylic pins. I'm getting some feedback. I showed those online and people were liking those and coasters. They're going to go with some of the beer flight things that I got but I would wait till they go on sale. They would get text messages or you'll see them in Facebook and they often do sales like half price and you can get buy these in bulk and they're good delivery, good quality. And I've relied on them quite a bit for those types of things. So stickermule.com for swag. Yep.
0: Yep. I've seen stickermule.com. I know you've used it a lot and it is certainly a, a, a resource worthy of being mentioned. Yeah, they do a good job. They do a good job. Mine is a -A GAN fast three port charger. How can a charger be a resource? I have traveled with a laptop charger, my phone charger, and my watch charger. Cords for all of them. And I picked up this little GAN fast three port charger. And this single charger has three ports. And you know, this little sucker uh, will charge. My laptop, keep my laptop going. At the same time, it'll charge my phone. And at the same time, it'll charge my uh, my watch. Hmm. Instead of carrying all these other cords with me, I carry this small little block and a, just one or two cords and gold for the week. It plugs into my laptop. It plugs into my phone. Uh, it's got a USB-C port. It's got a regular USB port on it. In fact, it has two USB-C ports and a regular port on it. It, it works fantastically and it, it is powerful i mean if i have one thing char- plugged into it it's charging it super fast super fast if i have three things not so much but it still holds its own so it's gan fast three-port charger how about can that get it on for Amazon? A resource you can you certainly you can send me a link to that just look
1: up gan fast three-port charger my quote for the week behind every great man There is a woman rolling her eyes, Jim Carrey. (laughs) That's funny. I give you that quote, Joe, because last night I was at the grocery store with my wife and who calls me, who doesn't call me that often is Joe Taylor. Mm -hmm. We've been joking back and forth how my wife listens to the show and she says, Joe is weird (laughs) with no explanation. I'll I'll take that. I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) Did she give you the, the response yet? Of why she thinks no. you're weird. So
0: she told you she would give you I asked for three reasons why she thinks I'm weird. Me, I love my checklist, right? Uh three reasons why she thinks I'm weird and she said she would give those to you. In fact, she might record them and send them to <laughs> me or to you. Yeah. So my question for you is,
1: did uh, she? No, she didn't. I asked her this morning and she said no, she's got too much on her mind right now. She can't respond. And to tell you, she thinks I'm weird too. If that's any consolation. If you and I
0: are in the same club, (laughs) I'm both worried and complimented.
1: (laughs) Don't know how to take that yet, right?
0: All right. My quote comes from Anne Lamont. She is a both fiction and nonfiction writer. Uh, She has a a Christian lean uh, to her writing, but she she's a little more progressive than you might think a quote unquote Christian would be. Uh, But I love this quote, especially considering the uh, the topic we've been talking about. Perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor, the enemy of the people. It will keep you insane your whole life. And Lamont, and I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I don't want you insane, Joe. (laughs) I don't want to be insane either. And I've learned to let go of perfectionism a a significant. I think so. too. significantly let go of perfectionism yeah. uh, but still it's it's it, it creeps its ugly head in there but i love that perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor the enemy mm-hmm. of the people and it will keep you insane your whole life thank you ann yes. lamont for that quote.
1: well done my friend good episode our website is dudes in
0: progress.com dudes If you want to go directly to our Facebook site, you can do that by going to dudesinprogress.com slash Facebook. If you want to send us an email, you can do that at dudes at dudesinprogress.com. Periodically, we have uh, listeners that shoot us an email and give us compliments on the show, um, maybe some criticism and uh, some ideas for future shows. So we'd love that. Uh, When you give us feedback, it puts gas in our tank, lets us know you're there and lets us know you care. Remember. Kurt, progress is better than perfection. Let's, so let's keep moving forward.
1: <laughs> I, I'm i moving forward right down to Florida this week. <laughs> I won't be working on anything except for enjoying myself. Did you forget your half? What half? We'll try to do better
0: next time. Okay. No, I just try to do something different. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, tell me you're going to do something different then. <laughs> I need structure and a process.
1: Perfection. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave that all in if you want. All right. Talk to
0: you soon.